Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little. This is Season 3, Episode 11, and the final episode for 2017. Don't worry, I'll be back in early January of 2018 with new episodes, and I'll be doing more interviews with other gardeners, and um, maybe a couple more solo episodes in there, and we'll keep on podcasting through the spring till probably April, and then I'll take another break like I do every season, um, because you know, it's summer, you've got a garden, everybody's busy and it gets crazy. So, um, but I've been pretty impressed with myself because I've put out, you know, almost an episode a week since I've started so far. Um, but was not, my goal was to have three episodes a month, um, up from the two I had been doing. So I'm pretty happy with the schedule and how things are going so far. And I hope to kind of keep that up for the next, uh, half of the season. And, um, you guys have provided lots of great input. Um, keep it up. I'm glad to hear all the comments you have for me on Instagram or email or, um, on the podcast website too. Um, the ones that I I do get. So I love hearing from you. So if you've got a comment or if you would like to be a guest or, you know, someone who would like to be a guest, shoot me an email at the garden path podcast at gmail.com. You can always find me on Instagram at the garden path podcast and the website is the garden path podcast.com. So today's episode is about the gardening books I read this year. Um, I'm a big reader. I kind of took a couple years where I didn't read so much. I had a new baby and you know, you get busy doing other things. And, um, I've really been trying to push my reading a little bit better in the last couple of years. This year, I think I'm close to 40 books, um, which is up from about 25 last year. So I'm doing good. <laughs> Definitely helps. I actually started reading, uh, on my Kindle, which I was, you know, one of those people who kind of resisted that for a long time, but it just has worked out because you can get library books from there. And I think that's just fantastic. And there's such a good resource, um, through your libraries. If you, if you have that Kindle, it's not always easy for me to get to my library. I know if you live in a city, it might be easier. It's kind of a drive. I usually take my lunch break, um, to run into my actual library. Um, but it's just not a convenient thing for me. So having the digital library available has made it more accessible for me to read, whole bunch of different books. So anyway, um, yeah, so I read about nine gardening books or garden adjacent related books this year, and I'm going to talk a little bit about each one of them. And I would like to encourage you, if you've read a good book this year, please pass it on. Tell me what you read so I can be informed for next year. Um, so the first one was kind of a cheat because I started it in 2016 and didn't finish it till 2017, but it is Second Nature, A Gardener's Education by Michael Pollan. And it's an older book, um, written, I think he started writing it at the end of the eighties and it was published in 1991. So, um, I really like this book because <laughs> it kind of gives an insight to the organic gardening movement and natural gardening movement as it was getting started in the eighties. And just, he mentions some seed companies that aren't even around anymore. And, um, it's just kind of fascinating to go back 25 plus years and see how things have changed, and how things haven't changed. Um, you'll find a lot of, I think some of these essays might actually be available online. Um, but, um, a lot of them are new. So 
Google up uh, Second Nature by Michael Pollan. You might find a couple, like I said, a couple of those essays so you can read them uh, online. And then, hey, I would definitely suggest checking this book out. It's worth a read. Definitely entertaining and uh, informational. Um, the second book I read was called This Life is in Your Hands, One Dream, 60 Acres, and a Family Undone by Melissa Coleman. And if you're familiar with Elliot Coleman, um, particularly gardeners in the Northeast with a four season gardening, um, this is his daughter and it focuses on the 1970s back to the land movement, um, the Coleman family as they're trying to you know, put together this back to the land kind of farm in uh, the seventies and a family tragedy that happened with one of the um, daughters. And it just, she details just a lot about the culture of that time, things that happen on the background. Um, I think it's relatable in that, you know, we're in this Instagram era sharing all of our gardens and, you know, maybe you're a small farmer and, you know, everything looks great in pictures from Instagram, but there's often a different side of life that we may not be seeing. Um, anyway, I thought it was a very interesting memoir. Uh, if you're interested in the Back to the Land movement, I would definitely check that one out. I also listened to that as an audiobook, which I meant to mention when I was talking about Kindles. I started listening to audiobooks this year, too. Pretty... Um, kind of hit and miss. You got to like who's reading it. And sometimes I actually speed, uh, the audiobook up to 1.25 or 1.5. Um, just kind of depends on if my brain's able to focus on that speed or not. So that's something else to consider if you're wanting to read more books. Third book I read was the Bird Watchers Digest Butterflies Backyard Guide and by Aaron Gettler. And Aaron was a guest on the podcast back in last spring. And I'll put that link on the show notes so you can listen to her episode if you'd like. Um, but yeah, I listen, I watched, listen and watched. <laughs> I read this one on my Kindle from the library and, um, it is a gorgeous book. Aaron did a really great job. You know, I was kind of expecting a, you know, your typical guidebook, but she actually put a lot of great information on each of the butterfly species she decided to cover. Um, so you actually learn a lot and you make, makes you want to go and research a little bit more. Um, if you're a home gardener, she tried to be very broad in her pickings about, about species. So she tried to cover, you know, as much as she could of the continental U S. So it would be a great addition to your guidebook library, um, for gardeners and, um, definitely check out her podcast episode. The next book is was kind of fun to read. It was called Epic Tomatoes, How to Select, Grow, Select and Grow the Best Varieties of All Time by Craig Lahoulier. Hulahoulier. Sorry, I'm butchering your name. Um, I think it's Lahoulier. Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> you can listen to him on a couple other podcasts, and I'm gonna link those in the show notes, and he's fun to listen to as well. But the book is really awesome because it details the history on several of the more commonly known uh, heirloom tomatoes. He talks about heirloom seed rejuvenation, um, you know, receiving seeds that might be like 50 years old and trying to germinate these seeds and establish a new line and generation 
of these seeds. And basically his background of getting into growing heirloom seeds and how he has proliferated all of these seeds through Seed Savers Exchange and other seed companies and, you know, into now this like humongous heirloom tomato boom that we have going. And he also talks about, you know, the difference between heirloom versus just open pollinated because there's a lot of newer um, non-hybrid tomatoes that are just open pollinated. They're not heirloom that kind of get labels heirloom. They're not. They're just, I think people are trying to call them new heirlooms or or um, artisan tomatoes. I've seen that too. So I thought it was a fascinating book. Definitely something you want to check out if you are a tomato grower or a just edible garden grower. Um, the next book is Grow Curious by Gayla Trail. Um, you may know her as uh, You Grow Girl. And last year she put out a Kickstarter to finish a book she had been working on for several years um, that it's kind of her, uh, you know, it was a pet project that she really just wanted to see get done. And I had never backed anybody on Kickstarter before, but I was like, I'm going to back Gayla. And sure enough, this book was definitely something that was worth backing. Um, there are still books. You didn't have to be a Kickstarter participant to get this book. She still has plenty on, I think she has plenty on her website for you to order if you're still interested. But what this book is, is basically a way for you to kind of get to know your garden in a different way. So it makes you, it's like part guidebook, part journal. Um, she takes you through the different seasons of telling, of kind of guiding you through different ways to experience your garden. So, um, it's like one little, um, thing about like, you know, try to pet a bumblebee, you know, as they're, uh, trying to get nectar off a plant or showing you how to, um, maybe start a little herbarium and pressing leaves and, and flowers and things like that. Um, it's a beautiful book. She did a really great job and I believe it was printed in North America. I'm trying to look at the book here right now. And her partner designed the book and did the art. So, um, that was pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, it's printed in Toronto. So I love this book. If you can get your hands on one before she sells out, I highly recommend doing this and I hope to be a better <laughs> person with my garden journaling and garden notebooks next year and just kind of open up some of these prompts and and do them and try to experience my garden a little bit differently than I may have. Um, my next book was Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway. Um, Toby unfortunately passed away I believe in late 2016 but he is one of the um, renowned, renowned um, permaculturists and I've wanted to read this book for years and finally I got it this summer and I really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, I've been interested in permaculture for a long time. I've listened to a lot of permaculture podcasts and done some permaculture reading, but I kind of felt like a little confused at times about what permaculture really was. And it's just, it's, it's a guide and, if you listen to any permaculture podcast, you'll hear it's more, sometimes I feel like it's a lifestyle <laughs> and not necessarily like anything in particular. Um, and it's just an interesting mix of, I feel like natural gardening and organic gardening, and it can be applied in so many different ways. So when you hear people talk about permaculture principles, they'll talk about it, 
even expanding into like community and expenses and all this whole encompassing thing. Um, But I do want to read one paragraph out of this book that kind of stuck with me too, that was part of my (laughs) kind of growing as a gardener phase this summer. But um, this is the, the, the paragraph. It says, insects aren't high on most gardeners' list of favorite things. It's too easy to notice the bug-ravaged leaves on broccoli and ignore the benefits of pollination and the role of pest-killing predator insects. Yet most insects are either helpful or neutral. Only a minority harm plants. Without insects, there would be very little for us to eat, no compost or topsoil, few birds, fewer mammals. They're an essential, major thread in our web of life. Biologist E.O. Wilson calls them the little things that run the world, yet most gardeners hate them. On a visit to a hardware store, I heard a man ask, What can I kill? get to kill all the bugs in my yard? I nearly began shrieking. It's kind of how I feel these days, and um, it's really hard for me to talk to people who haven't been exposed to some of the, these ideas sometimes, and try to be patient and non-judgmental. Um, and you know, you just lead by example instead of criticizing. Right. Um, so that was something that really stood out to me when I was reading this book. Overall permaculture, I think the only thing that really kind of bothers me is this conundrum with, uh, invasive species. And it kind of puts me off some of the permaculture podcasts sometimes because I don't, I don't understand why, we can't bridge this divide about with native plant enthusiasts and invasive species and permaculture. There's got to be some way we can all get along. It doesn't have to be so negative. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's another podcast episode. <laughs> that's just my one little rant on that. But really, really love this book. If you're inter- interested in permaculture, definitely check it out. Um, the next book is ooh, The Humane Gardener, Nurturing a Backyard Habitat for Wildlife by Nancy Lawson. And Nancy was on my podcast earlier this season. So if you've listened to that episode, you may have already be familiar with it. But it kind of expands a little bit onto Gaia's garden when I just read about the insects. Um, talking about humane gardening and kind of reassessing your perspective on wildlife in your garden. And not even just like gardening, but like other aspects to like your house and how your house is designed or your garden is designed for wildlife and things that you don't necessarily think about when, you know, maybe you're building your fence or you're building, um, something else on your property. Um, how is that affecting the wildlife? And anyway, I really loved her book. If you want a little bit more about that book, definitely listen to that episode and that link will be in the show notes. Still building on <laughs> the last two books is Bringing Nature Home, How Native Plants Sustain Wildlife in Our Gardens by Doug Tallamy. And uh, Dr. Tallamy has been uh, on several podcasts too. I'll put those links in the notes as well. And um, he even further explains this concept of insects and wildlife in our garden and how critical they are to the cycle of life and the food web. And, um, more importantly, he's talking about, you know, native plants in here. And, um, I think 
the perspective that really like sticks out to me is his, his list of plants, what species utilize these plants. And then in comparison, he will talk about, you know, a traditional ornamental plant in a flower bed, um, that, you know, doesn't have pests, but it, <laughs> it doesn't have pests because those pests aren't here in America yet. <laughs> we do have problems with, you know, non-native pests. I will say that. But so maybe your rose bush doesn't necessarily have big problems because it's, you know, imported. So his thinking is, okay, so we don't, we have these plants, the native plants with the bugs that are eating these plants, the bugs are there sustaining our birds. And then, you know, other animals eat birds. We have other pollinators. We have, it's just like this massive cascading effect of, so if we stop planting native plants, we start having too many of these landscapes that aren't functioning ecosystems. They may look pretty, you know, your typical landscaping in a suburban area may look beautiful, but it's not providing any ecological benefits. So that's kind of what this book is about, how we can use native plants to actually provide those ecological benefits and fill those needs that we've eliminated because we've built, built over all of our green spaces, right? Um, yeah, this is like an essential book for gardeners. You definitely need to read this one. And again, I'll link to his podcast episodes that I've um, heard him on. He's not been on mine. That'd be cool if he was on mine, but he's been on others and he's an excellent uh, person who could probably talk about his book way better than I did. <laughs> um, I would suggest checking that book out. And then finally, the last book that gets even more philosophical is called A New Garden Ethic, Cultivating Defiant Compassion for an Uncertain Future by Benjamin Vogt. I'm totally butchering your name too. I apologize. I've, I've followed Ben on his blog for several years and I've seen his comments on garden rant and on different things about native plants and invasive species and things like that. So I was very familiar with him already. Um, I knew he was very passionate about native ecosystems and returning um, habitat to uh, suburban landscapes. And if you go to his blog, he shows what he's done to his yard. And it's fascinating. It's crazy. I mean, if you looked in his backyard, you would think you're on a prairie somewhere in Nebraska, but no, you're in a suburban neighborhood. <laughs> it is crazy. Um, his book kind of takes everything I've talked about in the last couple of books and gets even more philosophical. And it's about gardening, but it's about how we stand as humans in this current culture of declining species, declining habitat, um, what our role is and what our responsibilities should be in our gardens and how we need to start thinking far more about the other species instead of being selfish about ourselves <laughs> and what we want in a garden. We need to be thinking about what our gardens are doing for the wildlife and wildlife can go from, you know, the tiniest insect to, you know, deer or other mammals, right? I'm, I read this on my Kindle first and then I felt like I absorbed it, but not nearly as much as I should have. 
So I ended up getting my library to buy it uh, as a paperback and they did. So I was really happy. So I have it. I'm trying to work through it as another read. And I feel like there was a lot there. I mean, it's philosophical. It gets religious. It's, it's, I don't know. It's a book I haven't read from gardening before. It's, it's interesting. I, I definitely recommend it if you're really looking to branch out and think deeper about what, what our gardens should be. Um, and I, you know, I definitely struggle sometimes because, Hey, I've got plenty of plants that are native in my garden and, you know, do I rip them out? (laughs) I probably not, but, um, how else do I better serve the wildlife in my area? Um, visiting my yard than continuing to not plant things that benefit them. So anyway, read that book. It was great. Um, I need more thoughts on that one. I think it was, it's it's definitely one you had to digest a little bit. So, so if you made them through all those books, uh, this, I know this episode is going to be out right before Christmas, but, um, if you're looking for any last minute guests, definitely check out that. I've got links to all of these books on the show notes. They're all going to go to the author's websites. So you choose where you want to buy. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you where to buy that. I definitely know authors like it when you buy it from them because they definitely make more money. So we want to support our authors. Um, yeah. So it's been a great season. Again, tell me if you've been reading any books this year in gardening, um, that you recommend. I may or may not have read them already. So just shoot them my way. The garden path podcast at gmail.com. And I will see you guys in the new year. The first episode of January is going to be with ninth ward nursery. Um, I think you guys are going to like it. It's different. I am excited by seeing all the things coming out of new Orleans. I follow a lot of people from new Orleans in the gardening world. And I don't know. It seems like a really cool and hip place to be. So you guys are going to enjoy it. And I hope to have more cool guests on in the future. Have a great holiday season and see you in the new year.